This program is brought to you by W. W. Norton and Company, publishers of Poetry Unbound by Patrick Otuma. Now in paperback and featuring immersive reflections on 50 powerful poems. Welcome to the guest editor Q&A, hosted by the Academy of American Poets. My name is Mary Sutton, senior content editor at the Academy, and I'm here today with Poma Day's guest editor for May, Brandy Nalani McDougall. Brandy is the author of The Salt Wind, Kamakani Ba'akai, and Aina Anau, Birthlands. Brandy, welcome and thank you for joining us this month. Oh, mahalo, Mary. Wonderful to be here. Mahalo. All right, let's jump right into it. Um, how did you approach curating Poem a Day? Well, May is a month that has been dedicated to celebrating Asian and Pacific Islander heritages. Um, but Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, though we're often viewed as one group, there's a great deal of cultural, historical, linguistic, class, political, and racial diversity within this group. And for a while now, there have been discussions within our communities about disaggregating this grouping because we aren't really sure if this is actually serving any of us. Um, so from a Pacific Islander poetry perspective, um, this grouping has resulted in our issues and creative work being somewhat invisible within the American public sphere, because our work tends to be eclipsed by, you know, the really amazing work of Asian American poets. Within our home islands, there also tend to be fewer publishing opportunities and writing programs, encouraging and fostering new writers. So even though poetry is by and large the preferred genre of Pacific Islanders, and I would even venture to say there's likely at least one poet or orator in every Pacific family, um, when judged in terms of publishing and distribution within the US, it may seem as though we just aren't writing. Um, this is definitely not the case, but this invisibility persists and is really rooted in American imperialism and colonialism in our region. Um, the violent and ongoing displacement of our peoples and the silencing and suppression of our languages, lifeways, and systems of governance. Anyway, all this is to say that I chose to highlight Pacific Islander poets for this month's curation and use the Poem A Day platform to share just a small sampling of the poetry being written by Pacific Islanders today. In doing so, I'm, hope, I'm hoping to work against the collective invisibility and silencing of our contemporary literature and the cultural, environmental, and social justice issues we write and care about. Um, just our life experiences as Islanders. 
I'm especially honored to feature poems by so many Pacific poetry heroes of mine, Dana Noone Hall, Mahelani Perez Wendt, Imai Kalani Kalahele, Joe Balaz, Evelyn Flores, and Dan Tolopapa McMullen, just to name a few. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you grew up in uh, Kula, a town in Maui. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my Ainahanao. <laughs> uh, and you've, you've written a bit about this in your 2016 book, uh, Finding Meaning, uh, Kawana and Contemporary Hawaiian Literature, which is how I, how I know that. Um, you also uh, discussed some of the writers that you've just mentioned uh, in that book um, in what was essentially the first extensive uh, study of contemporary Hawaiian literature and uh, a critique of earlier criticism uh, by Catherine Newman and uh, Sheldon Hirschenau. Uh, in the book, you talk a bit about Kawana and Kawana connect connectivity. Ka Kauna. Kauna, my <laughs> Sorry, <apologies>. yes, yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're doing really well though, pronouncing every vowel. So that's, yeah, it's just the, like, pushing them together a little more. <laughs> Kauna, thank you. Um, and Kauna connectivity in literature. Can, can you talk a bit about that and how it may have guided your curation. Yes, um, thank you so much for, for this wonderful question. Kauna definitely did play a role in my curation for this month. Um, so Kauna is essentially the practice of hiding but also finding meaning um, in, in our literature, but it could also extend even to everyday conversations um, or even uh, private jokes between people. Um, it's really a kind of drawing from um, shared cultural uh, connections and references um, between people. So Kauna is definitely present within quite a few of the pieces curated for this month. Um, however, there will be uh, different audiences created by virtue of that Kauna, if that makes sense. So there'll be some folks who might have front row seats because they're able to, uh, you know, their life experiences perhaps brought them to the Pacific in some way, or maybe they're from the Pacific or, or um, are from a culture of the Pacific. And so they'll have front row seats to um, certain things, certain ways of speaking, certain uh, cultural references that others may not have. Um, nevertheless, those kind of in the in in rows behind the front row would still be able to enjoy um, the imagery, enjoy the use of language, uh, and uh, and the storytelling that's a part of these poems. Nevertheless. Wonderful. Um, if you could direct readers to one poem in our collection at poets.org that you haven't curated, what would it be and why? Oh, this is a really tough question um, because there's so many poets that come to mind and so many of their poems that I return to and can get lost in and so many that I teach regularly in my classes even. Um, so first, I will always be grateful to um, the poet Garrett Hongo for being a kumumele or teacher of song um, to me. 
Uh, I studied under him uh, during my MFA um, at the University of Oregon. His poem, Her Makeup Face, brings together so much of what he taught me about the power of poetry, how it can hold so much emotion, tenderness, and beauty, but also how to craft with an ear to musicality and sound. I also love Brown Love by Leia Lakshmi Pupsna Samarasinha. Their book, Care Work, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've had the pleasure of teaching it in classes. Uh, there's also Allison Adele Hedgecoke's um, America, I Sing You Back, um, Laura Dawes' Passive Voice, Mahmoud Darwish's To Our Land, and Lucille Clifton's Won't You Celebrate With Me? Uh, that's another poem I, I read over and over again uh, and then just cheer at the end. I, I love it. Um, there's so many more. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible to choose one. I'm sorry, Mary. I, I just know we, we, we certainly welcome uh, multiple favorites, uh, but, but I feel like that Lucille Clifton poem is everyone's favorite. <laughs> I can definitely good. see why. Yeah. <laughs> So what, or who rather, are you reading right now? Well, um, I just had the immense pleasure of reading an advanced copy of Nou Ravilla's Ask the Brindled, uh, which will be out from Milkweed in fall 22 and was a winner of the 2021 National Poetry Series. It's rich, deep, magical and fierce and shapeshifts in form and storytelling in really compelling and exciting ways. Uh, her collection is focused on indigenous, queer, decolonial, feminist identity. Uh, it's amazing. And really enabled me to see Hawaii and our shared home island of Maui with new eyes and feel them with new skin. And when you, when you read it yourself, you'll understand why I mentioned feel them with new skin. <laughs> uh, a poem of Ravilla's would definitely have been included in my curation of May, but uh, the amazing Brenda Shaughnessy beat me to it. It featured her work in March. So it's all good. It's all good, Brenda. Um, <laughs> I love that you celebrated um, No Uru Villa too. Yes, uh, some of our listeners may remember uh, No Uber no Villa's poem, uh, Welcome to the Gut House, uh, which was featured in Poem A Day on March 11th. And uh, if, if you haven't checked it out, uh, certainly, certainly do, because it's, um, it, it is a great, a great poem. Um, what are you currently working on in your writing, teaching, or publishing life? So my next collection, Aina Hanau, Birthlands, uh, is being published by the University of Arizona Press as part of their Suntrack series, which is focused on indigenous poetry. It will be released in um, summer 2023, so a year um, or so from now. Um, the title refers to the Oivi or Native Hawaiian way of introducing oneself by the specific Aina of one's birth which is to mean more than just where one is from, but the specific land and water to whom you belong, to whom you are connected genealogically, to whom you have kuleana or a sense of responsibility uh, to serve those lands and waters because they raised you. 
I'm drawing from a couple of our creation histories, um, one that describes the birth of our islands from the gods, Papahanaumoku and Wakea, and another, the Kumulipo, that traces the universe emerging out of darkness. Finally, I'm also reflecting on how, as a mother, my body was an Aina Hanau, a birth land for a time for both of my daughters. Um, and, and the book is really for them. It's, it's completely dedicated to them. Um, as far as teaching goes, I, I usually teach Indigenous studies focused courses, uh, but this semester I'm working with a really wonderful class called Approaches to American Studies. Uh, of course, what makes it a wonderful class are the students. <laughs> so I have students who are majoring and minoring in American studies. Um, I, I've been guiding them in how to conduct their own original research and design their capstone projects. And it's been really beautiful to see students trusting and following their passions with regard to research and finding and writing about something they really care about. So uh, I've been able to oversee projects, uh, everything from the Red Hill water contamination issue um, in Hawaii or on Oahu Island in particular, to blood quantum's impact on Hawaiian identity, to the rise of K-pop and BTS on the American music scene. Uh, so it's been really fun um, and, and really wonderful to see that 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 spark of joy, <laughs> if I may, um, actually being applied to uh, student research. Yeah, you and I actually share a background uh, in American studies. Um, I got a graduate degree in American studies, though not in the U.S. Uh, in in Europe. But I, I think um, you know we can agree that for decades uh, American studies um, have been dominated not only by white men, but definitely, uh, you know, by, by a certain um, lingering Eurocentric view. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about it because, you know, uh, Leo Marx uh, died very recently. And of course he was a pioneer uh, in the field, um, but someone who encouraged dissent and, and inclusion um, despite, you know, Obviously, given his age, um, being someone who, who definitely came from the from that milieu that was so uh, white male dominated, um, yeah. what's your hope for the future of this field of study, particularly as it relates to Hawaiian history and literature? Well, um, what I really appreciate about the um, the the recent turns in American studies is is the move to really examine or to have the field really focus on uh, the rise, the history and the rise and the ongoing maintenance of American empire, uh, both domestically and in the rest of the world. And all of the, the different um, ways in which American empire is maintained um, through, um, you know, hierarchies, um, through systems of inequality, through um, uh, ongoing, um, you know, dispossession, through suppression of histories of oppression, right, um, uh, through, um, you know, stolen people and stolen lands, you know, these, these are, these are histories um, and ongoing 
um, issues that the United States needs to confront and um, and really reflect on. So aside from just confronting it and having that truth <laughs> be known, it also really needs to be um, discussed and reflected upon, you know, really for generations um, to even begin to um, create a culture of healing from it and, and, and um, doing better. <laughs> um, so, so given all of that, um, I'm really, I'm excited to see the field really turning in that direction and, and really creating spaces for these kinds of conversations. Um, with regard to um, Hawaiian and other Pacific literature, I see our literature as, you know, at, because American studies is an interdisciplinary field, I see our literature um, helping to intervene in that direction, in that same direction of sharing our stories, our experiences, our histories, especially with regard to um, ongoing um, colonialism in our region, ongoing and part of that, you know, militarization, tourism, et cetera, et cetera, um, social justice, other social justice issues, environmental issues um, that all impact us here. Um, our literature intervenes in sharing our perspectives and our experiences and making them more visible to people so that then um, our experiences and our issues can also be a part of that larger conversation. Um, yeah, and so I've always kind of hoped that um, from here on out, uh, you know, our our literature could be viewed as something that's as it should, as as something completely valuable and um, worthy of critique, of um, discussion, and of acknowledgement of, of its beauty and depth. Um, and I want there to be a larger audience for it, um, especially for those reasons, right? Um, because I've seen the detriment uh, that comes with the silencing of our literature, you know, um, and part of that detriment <laughs> can include um, you know, our, our kids in future generations thinking we don't have a literature or thinking our literature isn't good enough. And that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. It's not right at all. Um, you know, we all, every, every person, every human being um, comes from a people who are literary people, who have been writing stories, who have been creating stories for, for thousands of years. And we need, there should be space for all of our stories to be heard and to come together and, and for all of us <laughs> to learn from them, really, um, and, and move forward um, as humans. And, and uh, if I must say, the planet really depends on our stories um, uh, being heard and listened to. So yeah, mahalo, Mary. This has been so enriching. So thank you so much for joining me for, for this talk. It's, I, I think it's, it's really been wonderful. I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> oh, I do. Mahalo. Um, you've been, yeah, this has been really wonderful. Um, and, and, you know, mahalo Nui to you, Mary, um, and to 
you know, the Academy um, for just for creating the Poem A Day series and, and for helping make it happen amidst everything that the world is going through these days. Um, we need poetry more than ever. So um, love, 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 love the work that you folks do. And uh, yeah, nothing but gratitude. Mahalo. And mahalo to you for contributing in May. Poem a Day is the original daily poetry series featuring new poems by today's poets. Produced by the Academy of American Poets, this free digital series is made possible by you, our readers and listeners. Learn more about Poem a Day, and if you can, please consider supporting this work by visiting poets.org give.